Well, good evening, everyone. As you heard, it is Les Sneed sitting in for Coach McVeigh tonight with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long here at Cal Lutheran in the War Room in Thousand Oaks. A short week as we get set for San Francisco and a chance to get the 49ers for the first time since moving back to Los Angeles. Good evening, Les. How are you doing? You know what? I am good other than the bitter taste of yeah. losing on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Felt like an opportunity loss. What did you find yourself kind of thinking towards as you drove home from the Coliseum? You, you, it was definitely an opportunity loss, but I give a lot of you know credit to the Redskins. They came in and they ran the ball. And I think because they ran the ball well, they kept the ball, they kept the defense on the field. I think so many plays, we might have gotten tired because even on the drive we had a chance to stop them that we had they'd gotten a holding building a penalty on Aaron Donald. There was another. There was a second and long that we had a lot today and, and, and gave up. But in that moment with about six minutes to go, they ran a draw, got it to third and six and converted. And from there you maybe could see the fatigue and then you got the ball at the end. And, and then also you think about having the ball inside the five and, and with Robert Woods' clip. Uh, and it was a little bit, you know, I, I probably a proper call in terms of probably some mistiming in, in that pick route. And, and it, it took a chance for you to be inside the end zone. Instead of tying the game, maybe you're up 24-20. So you always think about those things when you're driving home. But there's always some things to build off when you watch the film the next morning. On the way in, uh, it seemed like it was, you know, 100% optimism about this game. And then I, I, I hope – and all losses are tough. We talked about this for years. All losses are tough, and that one was tough. I hope it doesn't kill the optimism like what this team was thinking before that game, and it, it didn't alter it after the game. I can tell you uh, this. Doesn't sound like I'm on. Oh, you're on. Yeah. On. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm trying to play producer here. That's not. That's never good. I'm general manager. Best in the well, business right there, yeah. No doubt. <laughs> but I know talking with our strength and conditioning uh, coach today, the, the – the spirit that we had, you know, we did a jog through, kind of got things, got, you know, flushing stuff out, uh, uh, probably an hour and 20 workout in preparation for this short week. But he informed me, guess what, everybody's spirits, uh, there was confidence there. And the nice thing, there was frustration and disappointment because there was expectation. We now expect to go be in a game, expect to go score points and win. And, and I think that's the difference in, in coming back from maybe last year to this year is, wait a minute, there is an expectation versus, man, I hope we get this on track. There's like, okay, we're going to go get this on track. So that's the nice thing, I think, what you said yesterday. Yes, disappointing, but not a confidence breaker. The other piece of that seems to be ownership, and whether it was at the head coach's podium, kind of pointing the finger at himself, or with your leaders in the locker room from Aaron Donald, you know, over to Woods, who you mentioned, owning those mistakes. Uh, one of the things you set out to do, even on the second youngest roster in the NFL, was find some pieces who could lead and could bring some accountability to the Rams locker room this year. Are you are you pleased with what you heard following a loss in that regard? It, it, when I read the postgame comments, it was the best thing that I had read in a long time. Uh, heck, starting with Jared Goff saying he was asked a question, "Are you ready for the two minute situation?" He said, "Look, guys, I've been doing this my whole life. I might, you know, basically insinuating I'm 22, but I should be ready for that. I've done this my whole life. Uh, even Robert Woods and, and take Robert, uh, you know, that's not a let's call it an intentional penalty. It's it's not a, a reckless penalty. Slightly mistimed design of the play." to really keep the linebacker from going to make a tackle. Just basically that rule is he can he can make contact, he can kind of rub that linebacker, but the ball's got to be out. So he made it right as the ball, you know, was still in the QB's hand. But the nice thing, we signed Robert Woods for one reason. Take 
being able to run routes and catch balls and be a possession guy. But he, he reliability. He's been reliable from high school to college to the NFL. He brings that to that receiver room. And and yesterday was a mistake. He was accountable for it. Wasn't you know the game wasn't his fault, but. Big picture, we signed Robert Wood for reliability, along with a lot of other guys. Uh, just some of the, I guess, when he kind of lost it for a minute, out of character for him, in your opinion? I haven't watched every single snap from Robert Woods, but, I mean, have you seen that sort of fire out of him before? Uh, you know, that's, you know, it was, I would say, the answer is yes, but when you go back and watch it, I, I, I understand why they, they call it, but it, it – for football in a combat sport in the heat of the action, slightly minor, but you, you shouldn't do it. And I think because uh, uh, you, you always it can always hurt you if you do that. So at that point, you, you probably you probably ought to be calm. Unfortunately, you got to take it in the chin sometimes. Yeah, I just from where I was standing, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. JB player and official getting into it like that, and then the guy gets banged three times after that. I mean, it, it seemed a little personal to me. 10 and then yeah. 20 and then 30 yards away, yeah. and then it continued on for the rest of that drive. Didn't yeah. It? yeah, it got real personal out there, you know, just a little bit. You wish you could have moved on from that and just kind of sewed it up and tried to win the game, but it is what it is. It was a week two loss for the Rams. It was week one for Aaron Donald, though. He made his debut. Can you take us back even before the game, how your staff prepared to implement Aaron We've heard the term pitch count, right? And then how that kind of applied, not just to Sunday, but also playing a second game within a five-day span in terms of getting him back in the mix. Well, I think what we did was, uh, you know, we looked back at history and and saw, you know, different players who held out for how many days. Uh, And and, and let's, you know, let's go to division, you know, like a guy like Cam Chancellor. Uh, You know, that 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 was a recent, you know, let's call it case study, right? How many days he held out when he came back? How many plays he played that week and 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 subsequently the weeks after, and kind of monitored how his season went. So, I think it, you know, once you get that data, once you get him in and get him with Ted Rath, strength and conditioning, Reggie Scott, athletic performance, let them assess with him along with Aaron to figure out the best way, not only for uh, yesterday's game, but for Thursday's night's game and for week 14 and try to monitor from there. Because like it's been said a lot, your body's not used to banging. You can work out a lot. You can run a lot. You can do, but banging and having to push on people. And in training camp, there is a time when you're, I know that group that I just mentioned gets nervous because there's a chance that, okay, this is the time when your body might be ready to break and it needs a rest. And then all of a sudden it acclimates and now you're kind of ready to go for the season. So that's kind of what we're going to do with Aaron. Yeah, you get tired and all of a sudden you don't get tired anymore. Um, I, I've been that guy before that has the fresh legs when you come out. They, I guess people are want, they're wanting to say that Aaron Donald was too quick. That's possibly the reason the Redskins had so much success on the ground. Uh, how much does that hold water, in your opinion? I think I think I would give credit to, uh, you know, let's just start with Jay Gruden, who's calling the plays, Bill Callahan, who's probably designing their running game, their offensive line. A couple of years ago, you know, Redskins had success running against us. So I think, uh, hey, they went back to the well and, and uh, you know, could be some rust from Aaron Donald, but again, a defense, there's 10 other guys out there. I think I'm going to give credit to the Redskins because they had a good plan. They executed it, and, and, and I'll give them the credit more than I'll, I'll yeah. you know, give our players the blame. It's always smart. Uh, hard charge and attacking defense, attack it sideways. 
Let's see how they pursue to the sideline, right? Definitely. And then you know, and that wears you know, then you gotta you gotta redirect and and stop, start and 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 run hard to go make that tackle. So nice scheme by him uh, by them and they executed it. You know, when you see Kevin Peterson uh, sign from the practice squad over the weekend, you have a sense that the Rams are going to have to be without their their second corner opposite Tremaine Johnson and Webster uh, on Sunday. And if you could just kind of describe to us the trickle-down effect that that had not just in the starting lineup but throughout the game because the Redskins clearly identified who was stepping into those roles in the Rams secondary and tried to exploit them a couple times successfully. As you should. Anytime somebody new yeah. comes in, you, you, you go right at them. And, and I think uh, Kevin ended up playing – upwards five six seven snaps and i know was on the last play Mm -hmm. but i'll give i'll give on that last play as well and that's a little bit where maybe hey it was a long drive it was you know started with seven minutes you know we probably didn't get enough starting with the you know the front four seven didn't get enough pressure there gabe and then kirk did a nice job getting off schedule and now you know now you got to cover longer than you're you know than you were designed to do and they ran a nice play and, and converted, but I give those guys credit for executing that thing. He's Les Snead filling in on the Coach McVay show this evening as the Rams practice light getting set for this short week. We're going to hear from Coach McVay coming up at the bottom of the hour with DeMarco Farm, J.B. Long here at Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. We'll take a quick break here and come back with more with Les Snead on the Coach McVay show on this Monday evening. Hecker has a waist-high snap. He's going to throw to the near side. Reynolds catches. 40 spins inside 30. 25-20. Johnny Hecker moves the chains. Uh, What a moment for a successfully executed fake punt. Johnny Hecker does it again. Uh, That was a drive we were talking about at the top of the show. Unfortunately, results in three and a tie instead of a touchdown and a lead. But we continue with DeMarco Farr and Les Snead stepping in for Coach McVay on the Coach McVay Show here at Cal Lutheran. I'm J.B. Long. And uh, we go back to last week, and Johnny Hecker uh, was extended, becomes uh, the highest-paid punter in the game, and you've got him uh, under team control now for the foreseeable future. And why not? He's been a perennial pro bowler, Les. Definitely one of the one of the best. It, definitely one of the best uh, to play the game. Not necessarily in the in the league today. And and as that as that play yesterday, you know, shows he's more than just a punter. Sure. He can be a weapon. And 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 it, and when you see that play, if you if you watch the film and slow it down, obviously Josh is a receiver, but we've we've strategically used him at gunner. Uh, throughout preseason and even in games, and but he anticipates. He threw the ball. He let it go on a on a what fourth and and six, whatever it was. A lot of pressure. He lets that thing go before Josh makes his break. So it looked just like a QB as as he once was in in a previous life, a more more sexier life than the punter. Sexier life, life than a punter? Yes. Come on now, he's the guy. No, yeah. Up there in high school, right? Up there in high school, yeah. yeah. I mean, he caught everybody with that. I mean, I thought the deception was absolutely perfect. Has punting changed in the NFL these days? Because I don't see a lot of big punt returns anymore. Maybe it's because of the game has changed or something, or are these punters getting that much better? They're probably getting better, yeah. and then, and then it, you know, uh, as, as coaches look what other people are doing, you, you would definitely probably, depending on what your punter can do, is is hang it and and let the guy make a fair catch, then let him catch the ball and actually have a chance to get an explosive play out of it. So I think it's it, it's better to do it that way 
than, hey, give the guy an option to make an explosive play. You know, in the context of Cooper Cup's command of the playbook, we were talking uh, about him being able to make adjustments for other players at the line down of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. well, let's get to that, too. Yeah. That, that was yeah. an unbelievable play. Oh. Uh, but last week we kind of said, you know, tongue-in-cheek, that he would be the emergency quarterback because of his command of the offense if you ever needed to go that far. But now that I think about it, would Johnny have first right of refusal there if we ever got to a, a, a game where you needed is a an third excellent, quarterback? excellent question. It might be, maybe you go to a, a dual – you know, go back to high school ball and you run one in and then run sure. off. And platoon? You, you take, yeah, you platoon <laughs> and, and go that route. So Cooper's more of your, like, zone read mobile quarterback. I, I, here's and, what Cooper Cup's uh, head football coach at Eastern Washington said is he can throw the ball, he can make all the throws, and he can go in and guess what? He can get to the fifth, sixth, seventh, and if you got an eighth read. Wow. So – he he swears that the guy can go in and function as a QB. <laughs> well, he, he seemed to have a sixth sense for the fact that if he didn't get back to his feet and make that diving catch at the goal line, that was going to be a change of possession because Jared threw it anticipating he would come out of that break clean and whether because of field conditions that we talked about or whatnot, he lost his footing, but he sure got He was the on football. the ground when the ball was in the air. Yeah. Hand-eye coordination. Mom, dad, God gave him special gift there. Yeah. Wow, and some work. Um, I did have a question this morning from a guy that shall re- remain nameless why go to cooper cup in that situation at the end of the game and my response was why not uh they said maybe you don't go to a rookie in that situation well did you see the game did you see how he played i said the rams have every confidence in him um i think i'm correct in that statement making that statement no doubt he's yes he is a rookie but and i know uh rookies come in at different levels and and phases but if this is a video game as a rookie, he comes in at, at level, you know, seven, eight. He he's not starting at level one or two, so I think that's why he's and he's earned that confidence not only in preseason games but starting in OTAs all the way through game one to now. Now looking ahead to Thursday night, uh, it is 49ers week, as Demarco is fond of saying. Can you give us a sense for the the temperature inside the building here? Some of the players were part of the losses last year some were not uh, most of the coaching staff was not just what does this week mean and and how anxious are they to get to Levi Stadium in Santa Clara on Thursday night? I think anytime you lose Thursday night games are really good especially when you're healthy and I I do sense in this building as DeMarco alluded to earlier there's there's an element of confidence and expectation it's not necessarily an element of hey let's go avenge uh the Hey, the last three losses that we've taken to San Fran—that's that's that's kind of a small, really insignificant goal uh, compared to the goals that we've set for this year and what the team has. And, and I know Coach McVeigh is definitely a one week at a time person. That's his focus, as he said in the locker room yesterday. Whatever occurs, the Washington Redskins can't beat us twice. So. Come in correct, you know, figure out San Fran, and then let's go to San Fran. And don't think any farther than Thursday night and really any farther than, uh, let's call it, Tuesday's preparation. I thought that was a hell of a coaching point. Can I say a name and you just tell me your reaction or give me your reaction? Matt Longacre. Uh, You know what? It's fun to watch. You pull for those type players because he's going to give it his all every single play. He's urgent, he's tenacious, but what you can tell about Matt is for whatever reason got to a small school, overachieved, but all the reasons he would probably at the small school, maybe athletic limitations, things like that, got him to be a 
undrafted college free agent, you can tell that he, similar to Cooper Cup, uh, hey, knows football, knows angles, knows how to get leverage on players and turn that leverage into plays, along with the tenacity. He's going to – if you have to block him, you're going to have to come to work. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't take a break. So you always pull for that type of player, but then when you see it actually translating to an NFL game into actual production, uh, you know, it's always – it's nice for Matt. I love watching uh, him and his tag team partner, Morgan Fox. All they do is work. All they do is try to get better. And Those you, are the guys you want on your team. And then you go back. They both came from uh, small schools. But a lot of times guys who play at those small schools and, again, are smaller schools than, uh, what do we call it now, FPS, Cooper Cup being one. Usually those guys have these just uncanny, unique, rare subset of production. Whether And for both Morgan and, and uh, Matt, the, you know, they had a lot of sacks at those places. Tons, yeah. Tons, and, it, and it's translated to, to our league. You mentioned the health of the roster. We got the injury report in front of us. Uh, Malcolm Brown, Gerald Everett, Kevon Webster would be the three. Uh, would not have practiced if there was practice today. Uh, but it leads me to the, the Thursday night. And do you like having Thursday night higher in the schedule? Uh, when We were in this room, right, when you saw the schedule release. Do you remember what your thought was seeing it in week three against San Francisco versus how you feel about it now? You know, it, it – it's, I've never had one this early, but and I don't know if I truly have a definitive thought on it. What what I feel right now, though, is because it is early, uh, there maybe your bodies are fresher, mm-hmm. uh, able to recover uh, faster. And just, again, as I, I said earlier, talking to Ted and Reggie, today's workout and flush out was, you know, from a physiological standpoint, you know, good it was thumbs up you're not so i think having that game early is 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 a is a benefit in those terms yeah if you're going to beat me up do it quick and then i still think about the time off after thursday how much how much time you get to recover after that thursday night game so it sort of balances itself out yes which will be leading into dallas and dallas not only doesn't play this week they play the monday night game Good. Leading into week four. So the, the relative uh, preparation time will be distinct. All right, why don't we take a break here? Again, we're getting set for the bottom of the hour. Coach McVay will be at the podium and will carry his press conference live with all the latest on the injury front and as his team recovers from a week two loss. And then we'll continue on with Les Snead on this Monday evening in Thousand Oaks, the Coach McVay Show on ESPN LA. Goff takes the snap. Five-step drop. He's looking looking left. Gurley has a screen at the 20. 15-10. Goes over the top. Todd Gurley reaching in. Touchdown, LA! Well, Todd Gurley impacting the game through the receiving game, in addition to what he did on the ground, averaging five and a half per carry. Uh, with Les Snead here in Thousand Oaks at Cal Lutheran, getting set to uh, hear from Coach McVay at the podium, address the media in his Monday night press conference to Marco Farr and J.B. Long. But uh, Gerald Everett was a top pick for the Rams uh, in this year's draft, and he's made some big plays through two games, 39 yards, 24 yards, 69 yards yesterday, the longest reception by a rookie tight end in 25 seasons, we found out from the Rams today. What's been your impression of Gerald so far and how he's acclimated to the NFL? Did we- it's been very impressive, uh, especially coming from South Alabama spread offense, how much work he's put into to learning a pro offense. And as he's gotten confident with what he's doing, I know through the draft process, we did a lot of work on tight ends. And I, and I used to say as we would watch him, he, Gerald Everett's the guy you would want on your high school football team. 
because he's the guy that says he's raising his hands. He wants the ball, and once he gets the ball, he wants to score. Hmm. He just doesn't want to make the catch. He And, you know, in high school football, you need a guy who, give me the ball and I'm going to go score. So I used to say, hey, you want that guy on your high school football team. So he's he's done a nice job for us as he continues to evolve as a pro. I think we're all impressed with what he does in the passing game. I'm impressed at how well he blocks. Or he's feisty yeah, enough the, to get in there. Yeah, there was a play yesterday where he, you know, peeled back and 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 and, and did Kerrigan and and pass pro uh, that probably saved a, a sack. But it was one that where probably Kerrigan hit the ground. So very nice. He's a hey for a smaller, if we want to call it, new age uh, nowadays pass catching in quotes tight end. The tenacity and the toughness uh, to go block is impressive. All right, just across the hallway, Sean McVay is set to address the media, so let's go over and uh, get his press conference live, get the latest on the injury front, and also preview the matchup uh, with San Francisco. All right, we're, we'll hang on here for just a moment while we make sure that we've got him at the podium. Shoot one more tight end. Great yeah, producing yeah. over here. I hope um, we're going to see more of Tyler Higby at some point. I, I still have big hopes for this big guy. Yeah, I, I think it's, again, it's an offense – where the most impressive thing when you looked at what Sean did last year in, in Washington was, you know, there was like our first game, there was eight, eight to ten. There was a lot of people who touched the ball. So, you know what? He uses everybody. Got to be unselfish. And I think uh, we'll see Tyler make some plays down the stretch. All right. Well, Paul is here with Les Snead and check in with Coach McVay at the podium here at Cal Lutheran did show up and like anything else you know it's you know being able to get back into a rhythm for him I think will be important I think we'll see him get more and more comfortable as the season progresses you know I don't, I don't think so just because he came out of the game he felt good today uh, when he when he talked with Reggie and Ted you know everything came away good so I think you know you just want to be mindful of the short turnaround uh, especially with those guys that are that are hurting or you know that might be kind of day-to-day right now but with him feeling good I think you know we're uh we're we're in good track for him to be ready to go on Thursday. Yeah, those are things that you know we're we're discussing with the defensive staff earlier this morning, and exactly how we kind of package some different things will uh, be predicated on Kayvon's availability, and then how we utilize Troy as well. So we're anticipating him being ready to go. You know, talking about Troy, and we're hopeful that Kayvon will be too. And uh, and then how that shakes out at the corner position, it will be figured out as the week progresses. You know, I think really credit to Washington. I think they did a nice job with some perimeter schemes, some, uh, you know, some gap and trap type stuff. And uh, I thought as the game settled down, you know, the defense, you know, kind of settled into the game and, and did a much better job in the second half. You know, there was a couple big plays in that first half. And then obviously the, you know, the 61 yard draw that they hit was a big play for them. But uh, as the game progressed, I thought the guys settled in. But, you know, again, credit to Washington. I, th- I thought they did a nice job with some of the things uh, that they were running schematically, and, and, and they made those plays. Yeah, I, I- Well, I think, you know, I think you want to be mindful of, of going against the personnel and some of the matchups that, you know, you're able to get with guys going out and with Tremaine being, you know, our one of our best corners, one of our best defensive players, certainly, you know, whoever comes in and not necessarily exclusive to, to Kevin, but whoever would come in the game, that might be something that you would think about as a point of attack for sure. 
Yeah, the, the, what it was was it was a double after. So it was a double penalty after a change of possession. The way that it works where there was a penalty on each team, so then it was a spot foul where the ball went where the ball was received uh, on the two-yard line. So if that was caught in the end zone, it would have been placed as a touchback. But uh, it's it's kind of a you know a rule that you know had some little nuances to it, but they kept calling it a double after. And then when you look at the rule book, it's really a double penalty after a change of possession is what it was. Yeah, it was it was correctly interpreted by them. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. When we end up on the two yard line, instead of moving it a little bit further ahead, no question about it. But, um, you know, that's where you realize there's there's a lot of little nuances and specific things that can come up. And, you know, it, it was it was something that they did get right based on the way that they saw that play out. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, you know, anytime that you look at yourself specifically with, with, you know, some of the plays that you're calling offensively, I think I didn't ever feel like I allowed our players to get into a rhythm. You know, you look at we had nine plays in the first quarter, then the first play, we ended up turning it over in the second quarter, so you got ten plays. And I thought then I let those circumstances affect the way that you kind of go about your normal rhythm as opposed to kind of just staying one play at a time like you talk about, try to keep your run pass balanced, knowing that you still have a whole game to get back in it. And I, t- I just thought there was some un characteristic decisions and maybe some indecisiveness on my part where you know you all, we always talk about letting our approach and our preparation lead to good performance and you know the, the process over results always and and I thought regardless of the way that some things played out uh, when you go into a game you always envision kind of how you want to be able to try to put your players in good spots and I you know I didn't necessarily follow through with that plan based on the way things played out and I think there are times when you have to do that but I thought there was a handful of situations where I didn't need to do that yesterday and I did and it and it made it tougher on our players than it should have been Well, I, I think if you ask your players to be, then it's very important for you to be yourself. You know, we, we always talk about coachability. And, and, you know, certainly if I'm not co- being coachable or being critical of myself when I'm not doing the things that I need to do to try to be, uh, you know, helpful and trying to achieve wins and, and putting the players in good spots, then that's something that you have to be, you know, aware of. And, and you can't be afraid to admit that. Well, there was a, it was a couple different things where you know he might have been a primary, but the coverage dictated something else. And then you know we had we had forty nine offensive snaps too. So when you do want to try to get some runs off, you know Todd got going as the game progressed. So you wanted to be able to maintain a run pass balance. And when things got within one possession, you didn't feel like you had to reach and you could kind of just take the ball down the field. Um, so it, it was a it was a product of a couple different things, Rich. But I think when you don't have that many shots at it, you want to try to still have some balance and some of the coverages uh, that dictate the ball going elsewhere that that kind of is how that results in him not getting as many targets as you'd like well I think I think we can get better as a whole you know and and I think obviously Aaron adds to that uh, I know that the standards that we have that they have for themselves you know that wasn't up to par uh, again I'll, I'll give credit to Washington though I thought they did a nice job um, 
But our defense, you know, I, I expect them to be able to look at themselves critically. Uh, we will look at ourselves as a team critically in terms of some of the things that we can clean up. You know, and that, that's where I think it's important to understand is, you know, that was on all three phases. That was a team loss yesterday. You know, everyone wants to maybe point out some of the things with the defense, but there was plenty of opportunities offensively um, and, you know, some of the things, special teams, that, that we can all look at ourselves and say, what can I do to be a part of the solution uh, and maybe change the outcome of that game? Yeah, you know, I think you'd like to think that as guys get more comfortable, they kind of understand, you know, the way that, uh, you know, certain things are being called and, and how we can correct that from a coaching standpoint, first and foremost. But the thing that's always going to be important is, you know, the poise and some of the crunch time situations. You know, that's where when it gets down to the wire, whether it's third downs or some of the things where, you know, those self-inflicted wounds are things that we have to be able to avoid. And, and that, you know, it starts with me and then we've got to do a better job of emphasizing it and then the players get it and then we try to avoid those at all costs. I don't know about that. Um, you know, it, it depends on how well the, re the rest of this game plan goes tonight, but uh, I'll be able to tell you tomorrow. I have. I, I have. I have in Washington. I, I haven't here yet. Uh, I, di I didn't have a nice spread out couch like I, like I did in Washington, so it was a little bit easier to sleep there, but uh, that might be something that you have to consider depending upon how the rest of the night goes. Yeah, it's a, it's a big challenge, and you know whether you're head coach or any coach, you know any time that you condense a week that you're normally accustomed to having a handful of days more, um, and and you get the same amount of work in, it definitely does pose some challenges. But it's also important for us to be aware of that so that you don't put too much on your players. Uh, figure out what they're comfortable with, but also what are some things that attack the offense or defensive scheme, and some of the things that we'll do special teams wise. So it's a balance that we have to do a good job of as coaches and. Uh, try to help our players so so that Thursday is as seamless as possible on a short week, knowing all the factors that are involved. All right, Sean McVay at the podium here at Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks, addressing the media in anticipation of Thursday night football up in San Francisco. We'll break here and continue with Les Snead as our special guest from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA. All right, welcome back to Cal Lutheran. We're inside the Rams War Room with General Manager Les Snead, DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. We just had a chance to listen in to Coach McVay at the podium, and among the things he was asked about, the return of Troy Hill. Uh, after serving a two-game suspension, here we are in week three, and he's eligible to come back, Les, and uh, fortify your secondary going into Thursday night football at San Francisco. Definitely. It's, it's it, you know, I would call it perfect timing, but we always knew with it just being two games that – there's definitely a you know a good time to come back, and, and there could be some attrition there. And the nice thing, uh, because Troy could be in our building based on his suspension, you know we I know uh, defensive back coaches you know Albury treated him like a coach and 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 got him to go break down film like a you know like a quality control coach. And I believe that the whole purpose of that was to come out of this week better than you were before. Even though you couldn't do physical stuff on the field, you could challenge your the mental part of your game and and get better and i, I know tyrone mckenzie our assistant special teams coach mentions that when he went on ir with uh the patriots that's what they did for him that they, they said hey guess what you're breaking down the next team and giving our linebackers a scouting report he did say that when he when he did his first one you know guys like you know the teddy brewskis of the world basically booed him out of the room it was so bad but by week 17 you know what they were relying on him and, and because of that he's probably became you know even more of a student of the game than he was and that probably led into a coaching career what a great use of time man are, are suspensions different some guys are in the building some guys are out or is it 
Uh, the work? difference would be uh, if you take a, uh, let's call it, a substance that's illegal that is, let's call it, uh, performance enhancing, then you're out of the building. Out of the building. So, uh, but if, you, it's, if it's in more of the alcohol drug, the whole thought process is giving someone uh, idle time is, you know, grandma said idle times, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a playground for, you know, someone else. So I think that's the common sense purpose of the rule. also want to ask you about another change in your secondary, and that's the role of Marcus Joyner's playing this season. Kind of when did that first come about, and how was it implemented, and what are the early returns through two games? I think uh, it first came about, obviously, when we, we hired a new staff, and they're breaking down our tape. And I think Wade said, you know, obviously, LaMarcus played a lot, but it was in a nickel deal. And you're going to play, you know, let's call it 60%, but – uh, if you play 100 snaps and he's only on the field, 60 of them, Wade kind of said he needs to be on the field the other 40. And he's that good a football player. So, uh, And he had done safety in college. So it was one of those, let's try it, because Wade felt like he shouldn't be on the field just 60% of the time. He's better for the – the Rams are better if he's on the field 100% of the time. I, I think he's tremendous in the middle of the field. You can't get away from him as an offense. There's no way you can get 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 away from LaMarcus Joyner and his closing speed if he's in the middle of the field. I love him back there. Yeah, he's a football player. No doubt. Um, moving forward, um, just looking at, I guess, the numbers, your inside linebackers. We're very interested to see how Mark Barron played. Um, if you look at his tackles, I thought he played one hell of a game. What did you see on tape out of Mark Barron? I think you, you, definitely, you definitely felt him. Uh, at parts during the game, and especially as the as the game went on, take first half out, second half, there were some adjustments, and, and you stopped the run a lot better in the second half than you did in the first one. And I, and I think that's where, you know, Mark showed up early, early in it. Everyone, as Sean alluded to, you know, had their issues at times, but again, they did a nice job. Uh, with their schemes, but once the adjustments were made, you you felt you, when when Mark goes downhill, you feel him. Even though he's not a large human being in terms of if we're going to compare him to other linebackers in the league, but very instinctive football player finds the ball and and arrives angry. Seems like he's always in a bad mood. Yes. I like that out of him though, no doubt. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen the guy smile. I don't know not if he, once. You know, you gotta you gotta really get to know Mark to yeah. get the smile out. But it's probably you know. Few and far between. Yeah. He's all business. He's serious. Life's serious. So nothing wrong with that, right? Here we are in week three, set for Thursday Night Football, and a shot at the 49ers as division play begins for the Rams. Another break here, and we'll finish up with Les Snead on the Coach McVay Show, live from Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA. Welcome back to the final segment of the Coach McVay Show, live from Cal Lutheran. We're with Les Snead, DeMarco Farr, and J.B. Long. All right, game two for Aaron Donald. We'll be at San Francisco on a Thursday night. Uh, played some good reps for you on Sunday. He was self-critical, saying he had to knock some cobwebs off and he'll play better against the Niners. Uh, lesser conversations in terms of contracts still ongoing with Aaron's representatives? Definitely. They, you know, and since he's been here, you know, they've picked up speed, and and that's about really all I'm going to say. But we're in we're in we're in daily contact with those guys, uh, trying to come up with a let's call it a win-win solution for both sides. I just like having having them back on the field. I know you do too. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the obvious <laughs> thing in the room is is definitely a player like him makes a difference, and it it it, it obviously keeps OCs up at night. And 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 again, what's interesting with our defense, and and there is some rust, and there's hey, we got to learn to 
a new system but play together. But it's been a while since we've had a healthy Robert Quinn and a healthy Aaron Donald, not that Aaron's been unhealthy, on the field at the same mm-hmm. time. That's been a couple years. Well, and you and the staff made a conscious decision to sacrifice preseason reps together, cohesiveness for a clean injury report in week one, and that paid off to the tune of a couple defensive touchdowns, a safety, and a win. Uh, but do you think that's still progressing as, as you bring Aaron back into the mix and you have some of those healthy pieces just lining up in new roles side by side? Well, I, definitely not. I think what we did uh, – with most of the defense, they practiced a good bit together, even though we held Robert out of the, the preseason. But they were practicing together with with the situation with Aaron because he did miss OTAs and he did miss training camp. It is a new system. Aaron's a bright person. He's going to work hard. He's going to study. He's going to do homework and, 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 and do extra credit. So he did come in uh, with knowledge of the system, but because he missed OTAs, he didn't practice there, well, there's going to be an element of, of getting you know used to each other. You need to be out there to see what's going on. You know what I mean? With uh, an not, offense that's game planning yeah, against you. Not yeah. necessarily for your responsibility, but what, what's the responsibility of the guys around me so I know where I can make my plays or not. So, um, yeah, it's just it's funny. You have to separate business from the actual sport. And it seems like you guys have done a fantastic job since this whole holdout thing started with Aaron. Yes, that's and, and, and I and I will uh, you know give Aaron credit too since he's you know come back he, he separated business from from sport and I think uh, don't want to put words in his mouth but yeah. I think being in the building with his teammates in the meeting room with coaches you know there is a uh, that's you know I think he enjoyed it this week. A quick final question: When you have a rushing performance against you like you did on Sunday, you're always looking forward to that next test. Well, Carlos Hyde and the Niners had great success in Seattle. Is that kind of a, a good opportunity for redemption that comes just four days away to go to San Francisco and face a run-oriented offense? Yeah, I think I think as DeMarco, being a former defensive lineman, will tell you, anytime someone runs on you, there's an element of uh, more than just let's play good. It's more of manhood type. All right, we're not going to let that happen again. I'm trying not to say what I really want to say, <laughs> but he's hitting it right on the head. So the yeah. fact that you don't have to wait until Sunday that you get it Thursday night might not be the worst thing? Thank God for Thursday night ball. Yep. All right, we can't wait to. DeMarco, thank you. Les, thanks for uh, pinch hitting. Nice to chat with you on this Monday evening. We'll see you up at Levi's on Thursday. Looking forward to it. All right, we'll have Rams All Access for you later this week and looking forward to our pregame coverage from the Bay Area as we get set for week three. Niners and Rams. NFC West play begins. LA goes up at 1-1. One one. Thanks for being with us for the Coach McVay Show, live from Cal Lutheran in Th- Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA.